Houston Dynamo, Portland Timbers, Sporting Kansas, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass, Toronto FC, Salt Lake, Chicago Fire, Columbus Crew, FC Dallas, York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Going to be a quick one. Thank you very much for downloading Pitch Pass. One guest today, but he's a good one. He probably deserves his own show, which is the reason why he gave his show. Not because of any scheduling difficulties or anything like that. At Pitch Pass, you want to follow us on Twitter. Also, make you about the website, pitchpass.com. Somebody's asking you, hey, looking for some more podcasts in my life. I'm a big soccer fan. And I need some more. Pass along the URL, pitchpass.com, and tell them it's great. Thank you very much in advance for doing that. Our one and only guest, probably our best friend on the show. Okay, just really good good friend of the show. Red Bulls are off to a surprisingly good start considering all of the changes and upheaval they went through in the offseason. A lot of that has to do with their midfield general, the captain, Dax McCarty. He joins us right now. Hello, Dax. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, uh, it's just me, though, Dax. It's just Roach, and uh, it's just you and I. We're, we're just one-on-one today. Oh, cool. All right. All right. No, no Kyle, huh? No, no Kyle. No, Kyle. Kyle is actually in D.C. for once, but he is, uh, he's with Brad Keselowski with the president. So he's much bigger time than us. Cool, man. Let's do it. Well, first, I, I, I do have to ask you to, to help me out here because uh, now B-Sal's gone. I'm, I'm all confused as to all your, your media reps and stuff. Uh, Gordon, I called him accidentally Gordy. Does anybody call him Gordy or was that a huge faux pas on my part? Uh, I haven't heard anyone call him Gordy. But, Darn. Hey, man, you I don't mind. Darn. I'm sure he doesn't care. All right, all right. I, I just I feel a little bad. And then the other thing is, you uh, you, you you're early. Like they were like, hey, we got Dax. He's early. If you if you would like to talk to him, I was like, pro athlete early. Is that how you roll now? Yeah. Hey, you know, there's always a reason. I got dinner planned, so ah, I gotta get on it. we got we got we got to get on it and get get it done. So the last time uh, we had Chris Pontius on was the week that they played Orlando. He was telling me that your parents <laughs> actually requested. Uh, a, a, a nice, sizable block of tickets for the DC United Orlando City match, and I was a little confused. Sure is is that true? They sure did. I, and I was a little confused because I was like, "Well, well, Dax isn't playing in that match. Maybe they're confused as to who he plays for these days." Uh, hey, are, man, are my, just... my parents. Well, for my parents and family, they're they're a uh, they're New York Red Bulls fans first. And of foremost. course, but when. But when I'm not playing, and when we're not playing, they uh, they're soccer fans. They just want to see they just want to see the game grow and build. And obviously, I think other than other than myself, there's no one more excited that soccer has come to Orlando, specifically MLS, than my parents. So I think whenever the Red Bulls aren't playing, my parents are always going to try to get to the game down there, even if it means having to go <laughs> be forced to sit and watch 90 minutes of Chris Pontius running around and forcing you to call in a favor with Pontius. That's probably the worst part. Yeah, that definitely hurt. That hurt a little bit. I didn't want to have to call him for any favors, but at the same time, I know he calls me for favors all the time, so I figured I would I would ask him for one. How far are your, your parents away from uh, Citrus Bowl and wherever the new downtown stadium will be? They're very close. They're probably about uh, no traffic, about 10, 15 minutes. Oh. The car, they're, they're close, man. They're right outside downtown. So do you foresee them being season ticket holders at some point in the future? Well, I'm not sure. I, I, I doubt it. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think that with uh, with my connection, yes. hopefully, whatever games they want to go to, I'll be able to help them out. And I know that. Uh, well, I know at this point. I think I just saw today actually that their season they got a waiting list now for the season ticket yeah. holders. Yeah. Um, very, very impressive. So I think even if they wanted to be 
they're going to have to wait a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to try to hopefully sort them out whenever they want to go to games. They're American parents or parents of an American soccer player, so it's it's not one of those things where you automatically say, oh, yeah, my dad put a ball uh, at my feet at birth and I played in the streets growing up like you would find in other countries. Were your parents soccer fans all along, or did they become soccer fans by watching you and tracking your progress? So when I was a kid growing up, my parents, my uh, my parents just kind of wanted my brother and I to do whatever made us happy. So we were both we were both into sports. We were both pretty athletic kids. But when my dad was growing up, there was there was no soccer. He uh, he grew up in probably the smallest town in Missouri you can imagine. So the only things they had to do there, other than picking corn and you know going out into the uh, into the farms, was to play basketball, football, and baseball. And so that's what he did. He uh, he had never even. He had never even seen a soccer ball until uh, until he moved out of Missouri. So, growing up, he uh, he fell in love with the game when my brother and I started playing it. And uh, slowly but surely, my brother and I realized that we weren't going to be six six five and super athletic. So, <laughs> basketball and football they uh, they were out of the the mix pretty quickly. And, and baseball was too slow for us. It was too boring. I could never keep my interest. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's why soccer kind of took over, and, and my parents fell in love with the game, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. So now I assume, and you already confirmed, they are huge Red Bull fans. They have to be happy with the start that Rebels uh, have gotten off to this season, especially with everything that the turnover that has happened in the off season. Now that that's kind of behind you guys, and I'm talking about the club, what for you was the biggest adjustment? Was it the, the coaching change and the, the different tactical changes? Was it the loss of some of the higher profile players? What was the biggest adjustment for you guys? Well, I think it's a couple of things. There were a lot of adjustments, obviously. The first being the coaching change. Um, that certainly was something that affects everyone on the team. Uh, you never know quite how things like that are going to go. Uh, clearly, um, anytime there's a coaching change, that kind of signals a new direction for the club. Um, I think that was obviously a, a big change and something that everyone had to wrap their heads around. But I think it's twofold. I mean, the other big change was losing uh, losing Thierry. I mean, Thierry Henry was the face of the New York Red Bulls for, for five years. And in my opinion, one of the greatest players in MLS and certainly um, one of the greatest players to, to play this game. So whenever you lose a personality in a, a player like that, um, certainly things are going to be a little bit different. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, he kind of, he was our joker. He kind of made things easy on us because even when we didn't play very well, uh, he was a guy that that you could always look to, and, and he would always be able to turn something into turn nothing into something, and, and make a play that not many other people, <laughs> not many other people could make. So those big changes obviously affected the team. Um, I think that you know, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you're gonna pull her teeth out, dude. Sorry, my buddy's my buddy's having a good time with my dog over here. It's kind of it's kind of weirding me out. You know, and I, I thank you for filling us in, but it's almost better without context with you're going to pull her teeth out. That, that would have been better without context. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, but, yeah, the, the big changes were obviously the coaching change and losing Gary. Uh, those, those, two, those two changes, I think it kind of just signaled a new direction for the Red Bulls, and it kind of signaled, um, you know, the start of a new era. So, obviously, we're off to a good start. I think we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're still – you know, we're a work in progress. We still have a lot to do. I don't think we're playing particularly great. Um, but we believe in the system, and we believe in each other, and, and we know that 
on any given day, uh, no matter what the odds are, we believe in, in our team and we think that we can get a result against any team in the league. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you didn't mention Tim Cahill. The rumor was that he kind of checked out mentally after the World Cup. Uh, confirm or deny? Is it a situation where, okay, now we're just moving on and that's it? No, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, he, uh, Tim was, was always really professional whenever he was around us, and I know that um, it was tough for him, obviously coming off the bench for, for some games, but I think he handled the situation professionally, and um, I think that he you know, was obviously a big part of our team and, and a guy that uh, certainly gave everything he had. And then when you know, he was called upon to, uh, to play in the playoffs, I mean, he scored a great goal against New England and, and did everything he could to try to get us to advance. So I, I don't think he mentally checked out. I just think it was pretty frustrating in the season for him. Thierry Henry is going to be Thierry Henry. You, you've mentioned the accolades. I agree with you in everything you said. Having said that, um, changing the way that you guys played, using a more of a pressing type of system, uh, I'm not saying he wouldn't have done well in this system. That's a stupid thing to say. But changing the system and going to this system, uh, the way that the, the, the type of system that you're playing now, um, it, was it kind of a blessing that he wasn't there? And I know that's weird to say, but could a 37-year-old Thierry Henry play the, the pressing system? And having him out of this system, did it force you guys to, to press even a little harder, knowing that we didn't have that joker in our back pocket anymore? Well, to answer the second part of your question, yes. Uh, knowing that, that Thierry was no longer on the team and knowing that we no longer had that wild card and, and a guy that could kind of, you know, take over a game whenever he wanted to and, and make things happen kind of out of nowhere, that certainly meant that we had to be a better team defensively and that we had to be more on the same page because we couldn't give up as many goals as we had given up in the past. But to answer your first question about, you know, him being able to press and whatnot, uh, I just don't know. I'm not really sure if it would have worked with him or if it, if it wouldn't have worked with him. I mean, he's a guy who, like you said, he was a little bit older, but he was a very fit guy. Yeah. Uh, he always had... He was always in pretty good shape, and I don't think he was injured too much. But uh, I think it's it's more than just Thierry. I think we were just kind of an older team in general. Uh, you know, back uh, even last year, a couple years ago, guys like Olave, Ibrahim Sagaya, Tim Cahill, Peggy Lilly, and Dula. Um, you know, these were guys that were unbelievably good players, but certainly not spring chickens, and they were on kind of the back end of their careers. So when you play the system uh, – you know, it requires a lot of energy, and it requires, you know, a lot of running. So certainly when you factor in all those different things and, and the age of some guys, it kind of, you know, makes it hard to believe that they would have been able to play a full season um, with this type of style that we're playing. Now, it's obviously still to be seen if we're going to be able to keep up this pace the whole season. I mean, that's something that the coaches have to evaluate, and, and us as players, we have to do a good job of taking care of our bodies and making sure that we know it's a long season. It's not just five games. If it was a five-game season, then you know we'd be certainly very happy with our position right now. But uh, you know, we still have 29 more games, and, and we have the heat of the summer. Um, you know, we're going to go through injuries, suspensions. We're going to go through little dips in form. So obviously, how we come out of that, uh, our depth is really going to be tested. You mentioned the team has gotten younger this year. You are 
firmly established as one of the veterans. You could say you've been a veteran for the last five or six years in MLS, but at 27 now going on 28, you are definitely an age veteran. Um, having those guys off of the team, I know you're not one to kind of keep your voice down or, or, or silence yourself. You, you're going to assert yourself no matter if you're 21 or 28. But is there a little thing where you go, you know, I, I play with Thierry Henry. I play with Tim Cahill. I've hung with these guys. Now I'm going to take now I'm taking more of a leadership role on. And now I can assert myself having with all these people knowing that I hung with these guys. And that gives me a little more cred to speak up. Well, I think I always saw myself as uh, a leader of the team, especially when when I was on New York. Um, I definitely saw myself as a leader. But obviously, when you have, uh, you know, guys like like Terry and Tim around, I think they're probably a little bit more vocal than, than I was ever going to be. Um, but I, like you said, I've had, I have experience in MLS. I've been around for a while. I've, I've been on some teams with some fantastic leaders, um, more when I was in Dallas. I mean, we had some absolutely tremendous older guys for me to learn from in Dallas, guys like Bobby Ryan, guys like Richard Mulrooney, um, you know, guys that had a lot of success in MLS. And, and I think they really rubbed off on me and, and the way that, you know, you should go about your business every day and the way that you should be a leader. Sometimes, you know, I'm not perfect. Like you said, I'm very outspoken. Um, I'm a guy that, you know, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. And so sometimes my reactions and, and my the things that I say and, and my the way that I look on the field, it's not always uh, the most positive feedback. And I need to make sure that I'm continuing to do a better job with that. But certainly guys like Thierry rubbed off on me. Um, you learn a lot from him and not so much – uh, how he leads by what he says, but more by what he, how he leads by example, the way that he trains, uh, just some of the things that you pick up on. I mean, you can just tell he's a guy that's played at the highest level for such a long time. Um, you try to be like a sponge, and you try to take in everything that you can from him um, because these are moments in, in a player's career that you know probably won't ever happen again. So I try to be my own leader. Um, you know, we have a good core of guys that are still on the team, guys like Sasha Question, Luis Robles, Bradley Wright Phillips, Lloyd Sam. I mean, these are guys that, that have played at the highest level for quite a while now. Um, and I'm certainly uh, just a small part of the puzzle that we have here. But, you know, for me to, to be able to get the captain's armband, um, you know, and represent this team uh, as the captain, I mean, it's, it's a blessing and something that I'm very thankful for. I really – take a lot of pride in this club I feel like this is a club that's where I've played my best soccer and where I've been my most successful so um, you know all I'm trying to do is just is give back to the fans and make sure that we bring an MLS Cup to them because that's something that's really important to me you know you brought up your New York experience you brought up your FC Dallas experience this isn't a question it's just I was at the DC United Red Bulls match at RFK a couple weeks ago there was a guy like three rows behind me who just booed you mercilessly during warm-ups during introductions when you were subbed off it was just, he and he was just like he wasn't whistling. He wasn't. He just was saying "boo, boo, Dax." Boo. And I just I, at one point I looked around and I'm thinking to myself, "What do you have against Dax? He was here for like ten minutes and didn't do anything that would make you hate him this much." Four years down the road, it was just it was just hilariously funny how much this guy hated you. Yeah, I I, uh, I tend to have that effect on some people. <laughs> my girlfriend, my girlfriend would probably agree with this guy. Um, but in all seriousness, I think it's it's fantastic. I love that. I mean. I think when you're in this business, um, you know, if you're a professional athlete, if you're a writer, uh, any, any time that, you know, you do something uh, that people are going to have opinions on, you're not always going to please everyone. So 
I love the fact that people have their opinions. I mean, some people probably think I'm the worst player on the planet, and that's that's great because not everyone's going to love you. I love that that motivation, um, that factor that you know some people uh, you know just can't stand you either way, and, and I'm okay with that. I uh, I don't want everyone to like me. If, if if everyone liked me, I think I'd be doing something wrong. So that guy, he's he's just a small piece of the puzzle. I wish I would have heard him. Um, you know, stuff like that. People like that keep you humble. Um, and they keep you working harder. I mean, that's just that's just another, uh, you know, person for me to, to hopefully prove wrong. Very well said. And speaking of things that you said very well, after your the victory over San Jose, um, you tweeted out that uh, there's still a lot that you guys need to work on. Now, I know you're still piecing together back line because of injuries and such. Well, what other than that do you feel like you guys can improve? Because based on everything that happened in the offseason, this could be considered a dream start for Red Bulls. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're, we're, we're very happy with, with our start to the season. Um, you never quite know how the season is going to start when you have a new coach and a new system and a lot of new players. I mean, there's always a lot of uncertainty around that. So we're happy with, with our progress up to this point. But like I said, I still think that we're a team that, that can be much better uh, going forward and with the ball. I think defensively, um, you know, obviously Luis Robles, he's had to make a couple big saves still. Uh, I'd like to see the chances that we give teams be cut down on a bit. Um, you know, teams like San Jose, we respected the, the hell out of San Jose, but we also think that, you know, we should have been beating them 3 or 4-0 in the first half. So we need to be a little bit more ruthless when we create chances off turnovers. We need to make sure that, um, you know, when we're really on top of the game and on top of teams that, that we put the game out of reach early because San Jose had a chance a chance or two to get back in the game. Um, and I still think that we were a little sloppy in our possession, a little sloppy with our passes, uh, myself included. I mean, sometimes um, when your team is doing well and, and you feel like there's a good rhythm about the team, you tend to get a little bit casual and you tend to get a little bit sloppy. Just because we're doing well, that's the one thing I want to make sure our team realizes that, you know, we can't, we can't get sloppy, we can't be casual because the minute we do, teams are going to beat us and teams are going to jump all over us. So, it's just something that, you know, we're still trying to work on, our connections, our movements going forward, um, you know, our midfield. I think we have, you know, a, a lot of good relationships in that midfield, and we're still trying to, to tweak things and fine-tune things. But um, I don't want to be – I don't want to sound too negative. We're obviously yeah. very happy with the way we started the season. We feel like we're a very good team, but I still think that the expectations and the level that we can get to should be higher um, because we have another level we can get to, and we know that. Uh, two things before I let you go, get off to your dinner plans. Um, I know it's way too early to look ahead to the NYC FC match. Um, but having said that, you know, I work in radio. When I see other radio stations that, that we compete against not doing as well as my radio station, and then they get accolades while we're kind of getting pushed off to the side, that annoys me, but it also spurs me to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to force you to acknowledge what I am doing. Is there any of that going on? And I know you live in Manhattan. Is there any of that going on right now in New York as far as Red Bulls versus NYCFC, even as you go into matches leading up to NYCFC? I, you know, what's funny about that is, is a lot of people have asked about, you know, the rivalry between the two New York teams. Um, and if I'm being completely honest with you, Greg, I, I haven't even given it more than maybe 10 seconds of thought when I see the game on a, a game of theirs on TV or I see, you know, maybe some marketing around the city for them. 
Uh, I'm happy. I'm very happy that MLS has another team in New York. I think that's great for the game. I think it's going to be very good for the games that we play against them. But the truth is, we haven't played them yet. Uh, we're two teams, you know, that are still trying to figure out, uh, you know, the way forward and the way we go about our season. So I think NYCFC is, is having a little bit of a tough time right now with injuries and, and with the results not going their way. So, uh, but I've also watched some of their games and I realize they're a very dangerous team. They're, they're, they have some very good players. They have a lot of difference makers, but um, when it comes to, you know, seeing stuff about them around the city and, and, you know, maybe that, you know, at this point creating a lot of buzz and, and getting a lot of uh, press and all this stuff, that doesn't bother me in the least bit. I think the good thing about our team is we're focused on exactly what we need to do to be a good team. And I, I said this before, um, you know, I don't really care, you know, if people talk about us in a positive way or in a negative way or not at all. That's not something that's important to me. What's important to me is, is what we do on the field because if you're a winning team and you're a good team, um, then you let your play just talk for itself. And so that's the only thing that I've been focusing on. You know, we uh, not all of us are blessed to live in such a swanky metropolitan area like New York City. <laughs> so we're, I'm going to ask you before I let you go to let us live vicariously through your professional athlete popping bottles into club lifestyle. You're heading out to dinner. This won't be posted till well after you've left this place. Where does a Dax McCarty dine when he's in Manhattan uh, entertaining a friend? I've got a few favorite spots. I've got a few favorite spots. Um, this particular friend, he's, uh, he's a guy that I went to college with. He's a little bit annoying, so I was thinking about maybe taking him to, like, a Wendy's or something or a McDonald's. Wow! But wow! Fortunately, unfortunately, he's got a game tomorrow, so I was, uh, you know, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be a good guy, good good friend. And myself and another buddy of mine, we're going to take him to one of our, our favorite restaurants in the city. It's called Barbudo. Um, it's a place that uh, it's kind of our go-to spot. Italian place, nice. very good, very good food, great vibe, good atmosphere. And then my other favorite place is, uh, is a little place called Red Farm. It's like a, it's kind of like a Chinese fusion place, like Asian. Like they have a lot of dim sum and dumplings and all kinds of delicious food. So those are my two favorites right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's no popping bottles in the club <laughs> these days. Those were, uh, those were my younger days. <laughs> Well, Dax McCarty, foodie, has given you a couple recommendations next time you're in Manhattan. Thank you, man. We'll let you go get some dinner, and I appreciate you giving some time to us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.